Part three of the Life of Josephus. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Simon Wainwright. The Life of Josephus by Flavius Josephus. Translated by William Whiston. Part three now as soon as the inhabitants of that city understood the perfidiousness of the people of tiberius they were greatly provoked at them so they snatched up their arms and desired me to be their leader against them for they said they would avenge their commander's cause upon them they also carried the report of what had been done to me to all the Galileans, and eagerly endeavored to irritate them against the people of Tiberias, and desired that vast numbers of them would get together and come to them, that they might act in concert with their commander. What should be determined as fit to be done? Accordingly, the Galileans came to me in great numbers from all parts with their weapons, and besought me to assault Tiberias, to take it by force, and to demolish it, till it lay even with the ground, and then to make slaves of its inhabitants, with their wives and children. Those that were Josephus's friends also, and had escaped out of Tiberias, gave him the same advice but I did not comply with them, thinking it a terrible thing to begin a civil war among them. For I thought that this contention ought not to proceed further than words. Nay, I told them that it was not for their own advantage to do what they would have me to do, while the Romans expected no other than that we should destroy one another by our own mutual seditions. And by saying this, I put a stop to the anger of the Galileans. But now John was afraid for himself, since his treachery had proved unsuccessful. So he took the armed men that were about him and removed from Tiberias to Gishala, and wrote to me to apologize for himself concerning what had been done, as if it had been done without his approbation, and desired me to have no suspicion of him to his disadvantage. He also added oaths and certain horrible curses upon himself, and supposed he should be thereby believed in the points he wrote about to me but now another great number of the galileans came together again with their weapons as knowing the man how wicked and how sadly perjured he was and desired me to lead them against him and promised me that they would utterly both him and Gischala. Hereupon I professed that I was obliged to them for their readiness to serve me, 
and that I would more than requite their good will to me. However, I entreated them to restrain themselves, and begged of them to give me leave to do what I intended, which was to put an end to these troubles without bloodshed. And when I had prevailed with the multitude of the Galileans to let me do so, I came to Sepphoris. But the inhabitants of this city, having determined to continue in their allegiance to the Romans, were afraid of my coming to them, and tried by putting me upon another action to divert me, that they might be freed from the terror they were in. Accordingly, they sent to Jesus, the captain of those robbers, who were in the confines of Ptolemaeus, and promised to give him a great deal of money if he would come with those forces he had with him, which were in number eight hundred, and fight with us. Accordingly he complied with what they desired upon the promises they had made him, and was desirous to fall upon us when we were unprepared for him, and knew nothing of his coming beforehand. So he sent to me, and desired that I would give him leave to come and salute me. When I had given him that leave, which I did without the least knowledge of his treacherous intentions, beforehand he took his band of robbers and made haste to come to me. Yet did not this his knavery succeed well at last, for as he was already nearly approaching, one of those with him deserted him and came to me, and told me what he had undertaken to do. When I was informed of this, I went to the marketplace and pretended to know nothing of his treacherous purpose. I took with me many Galileans that were armed, as also some of those of Tiberias. And when I had given orders that all the roads should be carefully guarded, I charged the keepers of the gates to give admittance to none but Jesus when he came, with the principal of his men, and to exclude the rest, and in case they aimed to force themselves in, to use stripes in order to repel them. Accordingly, those that had received such a charge did as they were bidden. And Jesus came in with a few others. And when I had ordered him to throw down his arms immediately, and told him that if he refused so to do, he was a dead man. He, seeing armed men standing all around about him, was terrified and complied. And as for those of his followers that were excluded, when they were informed that he was seized, they ran away. I then called Jesus to me by himself, and told him that I was not a stranger to that treacherous design he had against me, nor was I ignorant by whom he was sent for, that, however I would forgive him, what he had done already, if he would repent of it, and be faithful to me hereafter. And thus, upon his promise to do all 
that I desired, I let him go, and gave him leave to get those whom he had formerly had with him together again. But I threatened the inhabitants of Sepphoris, that if they would not leave off their ungrateful treatment of me, I would punish them sufficiently. At this time it was that two great men, who were under the jurisdiction of the king, Agrippa, came to me out of the region of Traconius, bringing their horses and their arms, and carrying with them their money also, and when the Jews would force them to be circumcised, if they would stay among them, I would not permit them to have any force put upon them, but said to them, Every one ought to worship God according to his own inclinations, and not to be constrained by force, and that these men who had fled to us for protection ought not to be so treated as to repent of their coming hither. And when I had pacified the multitude, I provided for the men that were come to us whatsoever it was they wanted, according to their usual way of living, and that in great plenty also. Now, King Agrippa sent an army to make themselves masters of the citadel of Gamala, and over it Equilius Modius. But the forces that were sent were not allowed to encompass the citadel quite round, but lay before it in the open places and besieged it. But when Ebutius, the decurion, who was entrusted with the government of the great plain, heard that I was at Simonias, a village situated in the confines of Galilee, and was distant from him sixty furlongs, he took a hundred horsemen that were with him by night, and a certain number of footmen, about two hundred, and brought the inhabitants of the city, Gabea, along with him as auxiliaries, and marched in the night, and came to the village where I abode. Upon this I pitched my camp over against him, which had a great number of forces in it, but Ebutius tried to draw us down into the plain, as greatly depending upon his horsemen, but we would not come down. For when I was satisfied of the advantage that his horse would have if we came down into the plain while we were all footmen, I resolved to join battle with the enemy where I was. Now, Ebutius and his party made a courageous opposition for some time, but when he saw that his horse were useless to him in that place, he retired back to the city Gabea, having lost three of his men in the fight. So I followed him directly with two thousand armed men, and when I was at the city Bessara, that lay in the confounds of Ptolemaeus, but twenty furlongs from Gabea, where Ebutius abode, I placed my armed men on the outside of the village, and gave orders that they should guard the passes with great care, 
that the enemy might not disturb us until we should have carried off the corn a great quantity of which lay there it belonged to bernice the queen and had gone gathered together out of the neighboring villages into bassara so i loaded my camels and asses a great number of which i had brought along with me and sent the corn into galilee when i had done this i offered ebutius battle but when he would not accept of the offer for he was terrified at our readiness and courage i altered my route and marched towards neapolitanus because i had heard that the country about tiberius was laid waste by him this neapolitanus was captain of a troop of horse and had the custody of scathopolis entrusted to his care by the enemy and when i had hindered him from doing any further mischief to tiberius i set myself to make provision for the affairs of galilee but when john the son of levi who as we before told you abode at Gischala, was informed how all things had succeeded to my mind and that i was much in favour with those that were under me as also that the enemy were greatly afraid of me he was not pleased with it as thinking my prosperity tended to his ruin so he took up a bitter envy and enmity against me and hoping that if he could inflame those that were under me to hate me he should put an end to the prosperity i was in he tried to persuade the inhabitants of tiberius and sipphora and for those of gabara he supposed they would be also of the same mind with the others which were the greatest cities of galilee to revolt from their subjection to me and to be of his party and told them that he would command them better than i as for the people of sepphorus who belonged to neither of us because they had chosen to be in subjection to the romans they did not comply with his proposal and for those of tiberius they did not intend so far comply as to make a revolt from under me but they agreed to be his friends while the inhabitants of gabara did go over to john and it was simon that persuaded them so to do one who was both the principal man in the city and a particular friend and companion of john it is true these did not openly own the making a revolt because they were in great fear of the galileans and had frequent experience of the good will they bore to me yet did they privately watch for a proper opportunity to lay snares for me and indeed i thereby came into the greatest danger on the occasion following there were some bold young men of the village of de Berita, who observed that the wife of ptolemy the who as we before told you abode at gischala 
was informed how all things had succeeded to my mind, and that I was much in favor with those that were under me, as also that the enemy were greatly afraid of me, he was not pleased with it, as thinking my prosperity tended to his ruin. So he took up a bitter envy and enmity against me, and hoping that if he could inflame those that were under me to hate me, he should put an end to the prosperity I was in. He tried to persuade the inhabitants of Tiberias and Sipphora, and for those of Gabara, he supposed they would be also of the same mind with the others, which were the greatest cities of Galilee, to revolt from their subjection to me, and to be of his party, and told them that he would command them better than I. As for the people of Sepphoris, who belonged to neither of us, because they had chosen to be in subjection to the Romans, they did not comply with his proposal. And for those of Tiberias, they did not intend so far comply as to make a revolt from under me. But they agreed to be his friends, while the inhabitants of Gabara did go over to John. And it was Simon that persuaded them so to do. One who was both the principal man in the city and a particular friend and companion of John, it is true, these did not openly own the making a revolt because they were in great fear of the Galileans and had frequent experience of the good will they bore to me. Yet did they privately watch for a proper opportunity to lay snares for me, and indeed I thereby came into the greatest danger on the occasion following. There were some bold young men of the village of Deberita, who observed that the wife of Ptolemy, the, the king's procurator, was to make a progress over the great plain with a mighty attendance and with some horsemen that followed as a guard to them, and this out of a country that was subject to the king and queen, into the jurisdiction of the Romans, and fell upon them on a sudden, and obliged the wife of Ptolemy to fly away, and plundered all the carriages. They also came to me, to Tarachises, with four mules loaded of garments and other furniture, and the weight of the silver they brought was not small, and there were five hundred pieces of gold also. Now I had a mind to preserve these spoils for Ptolemy, who was my countryman, and it is prohibited by our laws even to spoil our enemies. So I said to those that brought these spoils that they ought to be kept in order to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem with them, when they came to be sold. But the young men took it very ill, that they did not receive a part of those spoils for themselves, as they expected to have done. So they went among the villages in the neighborhood of Tiberias, 
and told the people that I was going to betray their country to the Romans, and that I used deceitful language to them when I said that what had been thus gotten by rapine should be kept for the rebuilding of the walls of the city of Jerusalem. Although I had resolved to restore these spoils again to their former owner, and indeed they were herein not mistaken as to my intentions, for when I had gotten clear of them I sent for two of the principal men, Dacian and Janias, the son of Levi, persons that were among the chief friends of the king, and commanded them to take the furniture that had been plundered, and to send it to him. And I threatened that I would order them to be put to death by way of punishment if they discovered this my command to any other person. Now, when all Galilee was filled with this rumor that their country was about to be betrayed by me to the Romans, and when all men were exasperated against me and ready to bring me to punishment, the inhabitants of Terechi did also themselves suppose that what the young men said was true, and persuaded my guards and armed men to leave me when I was asleep and to come presently to the Hippodrome in order there to take counsel against me, their commander. And when they had prevailed with them, and they were gotten together, they found there a great company assembled already, who all joined in one clamor to bring the man who was so wicked to them as to betray them to his due punishment. And it was Jesus the son of Cephas, who principally set them on. He was ruler in Tiberias, a wicked man, and naturally disposed to make disturbances in matters of consequence. A seditious person he was indeed, and an innovator beyond everybody else. He then took the laws of Moses into his hands and came into the midst of the people and said, Oh, my fellow citizens, if you are not disposed to hate Josephus on your own account, have regard, however, to these laws of your country, which your commander-in-chief is going to betray. Hate him, therefore, on both these accounts, and bring the man who hath acted thus insolently to his deserved punishment. When he had said this, the multitude had openly applauded him for what he had said, and took some of the armed men, and made haste away to the house in which I lodged, as if he would kill me immediately, while I was wholly insensible of all, till this disturbance happened, and by reason of the pains I had been taking, was fallen fast asleep. But Simon, who was entrusted with the care of my body, and was the only person that stayed with me, and saw the violent incursion the citizens made upon me, awaked me, and told me of the danger I was in, and desired me to let him kill me, that I might die bravely and like a general before my enemies came in. 
and forced me to kill myself, or killed me themselves. Thus did he discourse to me, but I committed the care of my life to God, and made haste to go out to the multitude. Accordingly, I put on a black garment, and hung my sword at my neck, and went by such a different way to the hippodrome, wherein I thought none of my adversaries would meet me. So I appeared among them on the sudden, and fell down flat on the earth, and bedewed the ground with my tears. Then I seemed to them all an object of compassion. And when I perceived the change that was made in the multitude, I tried to divide their opinions before the armed men should return from my house. So I granted them that I had been as wicked as they supposed me to be, but still I entreated them to let me first inform them for what use I had kept that money which arose from the plunder, and that they might then kill me if they pleased. And upon the multitudes ordering me to speak, the armed men came upon me, and when they saw me, they ran to kill me. But when the multitude bade them hold their hands, they complied, and expected that as soon as I should own to them that I kept the money for the king, it would be looked on as a confession of my treason, and they should then be allowed to kill me. End of part three.